You are listening to the Lazy Equity Podcast, brought to you by Bobby Hayeri and Darren Venter, founders of the Investors Agency and Debar. With over 20 years' experience in real estate between them and having bought hundreds, if not thousands, of properties around the country, you are in the right place to learn all things property. This podcast is designed to educate and empower everyday Aussies to take control of their future through property. Hey guys, Bobby here from the Lazy Equity Podcast and welcome to episode 10. Thanks a lot for tuning in and in today's episode we're going to do something slightly different. Uh, You guys are stuck with me for the day, so hopefully you find some value out of it, hopefully you get, hopefully you find it entertaining. What we're going to talk about through today's podcast is my portfolio personally, the lessons I learned along the way, what my strategy was throughout this process and hopefully that will resonate with some of you guys uh, and, and and maybe give you guys some aha moments or some light bulb moments and give you an understanding as to how I thought to to potentially um potentially help you guys learn a few things along the way. Another reason I wanted to share this podcast with you today is uh, obviously this is what I do for a living at the Investors Agency with, with my partner, Darren Venter, and our amazing team. So I think it's important for you guys to understand that we also do practice what we preach. Originally, when I first started the company, I was quite uncomfortable with sharing my story. I think it's partly because in Australia, there is tall poppy syndrome. And and essentially, when you put yourself out there, it's very easy to get shot, cut down and shot down. So originally, it was quite uncomfortable for me to do that. It was one of the hardest parts of starting the business. And especially when you're starting the business, you feel like you need to prove yourself. So you feel like you need to tell people sort of what you've done. But then on the other hand, you're scared of getting shot down. So it was quite difficult. Obviously, now quite a few years in, I've shared my story a few times on other podcasts and and it does come second nature to me and and I'm used to the trolls so it doesn't really affect affect me anymore. So obviously I wanted to run through this podcast and, and and obviously show you guys that we do practice what we preach and these lessons that we're learning are not not just uh lessons that we're learning through buying for other clients, but or the lessons that we've learned rather, lessons that we've learned from buying properties over decades and decades ourselves personally at the investors agency. So look, let's get stuck into it. So as I mentioned, I'm going to run through the portfolio relatively briefly, and then I'm going to run through, I guess, the strategy and how that's changed. So the portfolio at the moment, it consists of 10 properties in total. Value is sitting at around one, at about one point, sorry, at about $4.1 million approximately. There's about $400,000 in equity there that can be pulled out and still staying under that 80% mark. I do know that because I've just done that to, to purchase the next property. Uh, so that's sort of where the portfolio is sitting and where the LVR is sitting. It's now sitting just below 80%, but that's because I pulled out just over $400,000 in equity. So let's start with the first property that, that I purchased. So look, actually the first property that I purchased was with my sister going back probably around 2008, 2009. Sold that one now. So I'll just fast forward with that one. The reason, look, I'll explain the reason we sold that one. So the reason we sold that one was, and it's something important for you guys to think about if you are buying a property with someone else. I wanted to continue building my portfolio. So pulling out the equity to purchase more properties. Whereas my sister at that stage wanted to sell the property and then buy her owner occupied house. So it's important for you guys to think about buying a property with another person while it can help to get help you get into the market like it did with my sister and I. There are complications that come with it. If you have a falling out with that person, obviously it can be very difficult. If you want to pull the equity out, someone else doesn't, it can become very difficult. If you just want to spend the next couple of years paying down the debt extremely aggressively while the other person doesn't, it can become extremely complicated. So 
there are all these things that you need to think about and map out prior and people's goals change and people's plans change. So it is something for you guys to think about. Regardless, look, we sold that property. Let's fast forward to 2014. So in 2014, my wife and I, who was my girlfriend at the time, we purchased a one bedroom apartment in Sydney's Northern Beaches. It was uh, in Brookville. We purchased that for $575,000. Now we don't buy apartments for clients at the moment. Now, that apartment was quite unique. It was a two-minute walk from the Manly Seagull Stadium. It was a two-minute drive to Westfield, Warringah Mall, a very close drive to all the beaches along the northern beaches. So in that regards, it was quite. It was always going to be a bluer chip investment. Brookvale at the time was the cheapest suburb on the northern beaches. Probably still is. However, it still increased significantly. That apartment, it was unique. So It was a one bedroom, 50 meters internal. However, it had a 90 meter external, so a 90 meter garden. At the time, we had the choice of choosing between a cookie cutter two bedroom apartment. So just your standard two bedroom entry level, maybe a small balcony, probably south facing. Or for the same budget, it was going to be a quite a nice one bedroom. Now we went for the quite a nice one bedroom. And I think that's paid dividends since we've done that because it is unique. So for those of you thinking of buying an apartment, Don't just go and buy an apartment where there is hundreds of other apartments exactly the same. Try find the one that is unique. Try find the one that has a massive terrace or a massive courtyard or a big yard or whatever it might be. Try find something like that. And that's essentially what we did with Victor Road. Bought that for five seventy five. Now it's worth eight fifty to nine hundred thousand. And and we've still got still got that property. So pretty much what we did what we did from there, we're living in that property. Then pretty much that's when, when we're living in that property, that's when the idea of rent vesting came to came to my mind. So rent vesting is where you rent where you want to live in an ideal location. And then you invest in other areas which are cheaper, they generate more cash flow and they'll still set you up for a time and even if you are spending money on rent. So it was pretty much at that time where, look, 2014, that was six years ago, income, I can't remember what it was like, but you know, it wouldn't have been, in, in, you know, it was, it, was quite, it was quite average at that stage. I wanted to invest into another property. However, I knew I couldn't afford to invest in Sydney. The yields were so low. So pretty much what we did was in 2017, I'm just trying to think in terms of the timing. I'll come back to that in terms of the timing, but pretty much so So pretty much what we did after Victor Road, we wanted to invest, started investing interstate into a, or oh, it wasn't interstate, it was regional, apologies. So we invested in Grafton. So Grafton is the mid-north coast, just inland from Coffs Harbour. At the time... There was tons of infrastructure going on. So there was one of the biggest jails in Australia being built just north of Grafton. Obviously, what happens there is you're going to get lots of construction workers that move in while the jail is being built. And this is something for you guys to think about if you are following infrastructure projects around the country. There are two types of infrastructure projects around the country. One type is an infrastructure project that creates jobs while the project's being built. For example, a highway or a highway, freeway, train line, whatever it might be. Then there is an infrastructure project which will create jobs when that project is built. For example, a jail, for example, a, a university, a school, a hospital, these sorts of things. So pretty much in Grafton, there was both types of infrastructures going on and there was large amounts of it going on. So there was the Grafton bypass down the highway, the freeway that goes from Queensland down south. They were bypassing through Grafton, which was going to add a lot of value into Grafton as well. It was going to make it a lot more accessible. So that was one thing that was going on. Obviously, lots of construction workers needed to live there while the construction was being, while the construction was active. 
Then there was the biggest jail in Australia being built as well. So you needed workers there to build the jail. But then after the jail is built, you have thousands of workers who then will live there permanently. If you've got a regional area which already has a diverse economy, which Grafton did, it already had agriculture, you're half an hour from, you're quite close to Coffs Harbour, you've got schools, universities and so forth. If you've got a regional market which already has a diverse economy, then you build a big project such as a jail where thousands of staff will then need to live in the area permanently with all their family members. This is when you get regional areas go through a boom, essentially. So we bought a property in in Grafton for $290,000. Now that property is worth $450,000. That was in 2017. So looking at about a 50% increase in five years while well, you know those properties were generating a 7% yield. So that was one property in Grafton. At the same time, we also bought a block of land for $60,000 in 2017. And it was, a, it was two lots on the one block. So we then went and subdivided. It was already subdivided, apologies. We, we then went and built two separate dwellings on that lot. So at this stage, we then had three properties in South Grafton. And by the time we finished the build and did the plans, it was 2019. So one thing I learned from that development for you guys to think about it was very difficult to sit on the sidelines for two years and do nothing. I wanted to continue investing. However, my financial position wouldn't allow me to because I had all my money tied up in a construction. And so sitting there for two years while lots of other markets around the country were booming was very, very difficult. So it is something for you guys to think about. However, look, fast forward to 2019, we had three properties in, in, in Grafton. These other two dwellings that we built are now probably worth four fifty to 500000 approximately probably closer to $450,000 each. Cool. And at this stage, I believe we're still living in Victor Road in Brookvale. Uh, and then essentially what we did there was after the Grafton properties were built, we moved to Narrabeen, again on Sydney's northern beaches. We were renting there. So at this stage, rent vesting was our strategy. We collected $600 a week for, for, find, for getting tenants to come into our Brookvale place. Then we're paying $650 a week in our Narrabeen place. So in terms of the budget... It made $50 difference. This is something for you guys to think about. In terms of the budget, it made $50 difference. However, we were then able to live in our ideal location on the beach in Narrabeen in a two-bedroom house at that, in a two-bedroom. I don't know what you'd call it. It was oceanfront block. The landlord lived at the back facing the water on a thousand meter block. Then we lived at the front of the house in a two-bedroom. So it wasn't a granny flat, but you could call it a granny flat or he just pretty much you know, split the house up and we lived at the front of the block. So yeah, for those of you thinking about rent vesting, we're paying $650 a week rent and then we're collecting $600 a week rent for our Brookvale property. So for $50 a week, we were able to live in our ideal location in a bigger, um, in a bigger, bigger property. Essentially what we did from there was in March 2020, this is at the height of when COVID was starting to, it, was, it, it had just gotten into Australia. No one really knew what was happening. March 2020, we bought in Kingston a three-bedroom brick home. Kingston is 30 minutes south of Brisbane CBD. Three-bedroom brick home, we bought that for $300,000. Now, that one, Kingston hadn't grown in about, Brisbane in general hadn't grown in about eight or nine years. However, the data was telling us that it was going to start going through a boom. Logan as well, from 2000 to 2008, it doubled in value. And then pretty much for 12 years, it did nothing. So I was quite 
lucky that we got in just at that right time. Lots of people, I would say lucky, but also educated from the data that, that I, would, I, would, I was looking into, looking at things like population growth going in, into an area, debt to income ratios, looking at the yields, looking at vacancy rates, rental, rental yields, auction clearance rates, looking at a whole range of things uh, led me to believe that while Kingston or Logan had not done anything for 10 to 12 years, and unfortunately, a lot of people actually bought, you know, in 2010 and, and their property went backwards or did nothing for that time. Uh, the data that I was looking into was, was telling me that the market was just about to boom. And we we're quite lucky in a sense that it did. So that we bought in March 2020, $300,000 brick home, 600 on about 700 meters squared with side access. We then built a granny flat on it last year. The house in the granny flat is now worth $600,000. So nearly doubled our, doubled our money while... The, the returns there are about 85 to 9% gross rental yield. That's since March 2020 there. Pretty much what we did, we pretty much rep- replicated the exact same scenario in Deception Bay. So November 2020. So pretty much what I did was in March 2020, bought the Kingston house. Then in November 2020, bought the Deception Bay house. Then I went and put two granny flats in them after I bought both. So the Deception Bay home, November 2020, three-bedroom weatherboard on 600 meters squared. Now... That property was listed at $340,000 for a while on the market and wasn't getting any bites. Then I got a notification that they'd dropped the price and they dropped it to th- offers over $300,000. So I went in immediately, sight unseen, put in an offer of $302,000. Now you guys might be thinking that's extremely risky putting in an offer sight unseen, but this is why it's really important to know the rules and regulations in different states and how you can mitigate that risk. Pretty much in Queensland, what we did with that property, well, what I did with that property was sign the contract, put a clause in the contract from our solicitors subject to a three-day inspection clause. So that means if we don't like what the property looks like within three days, we can pull out and the deposit is fully refunded. The reason the sellers would agree to something like that is because then they know that they've got an, then they know, then they know that you know someone has signed the contract on this property. Now, Deception Bay at that time, again, wasn't, wasn't what it was now. Like you, you buy a three bedroom weatherboard house in Deception Bay for 600,000. Like that's the sort of growth that it's had in the market at that time. It didn't. So as soon as the agent received an offer, he accepted it. Uh, if we had tried to do that 12 months later, it, it wouldn't have worked because the market was so hot. Given the timing, they accepted the first offer that they received. We knew that we were buying over, you know, more than 10% under comparable sales. And we knew that that market was going to go through some significant growth. So since November 2020, that property has now been valued at $650,000. However, I have put a granny flat in there as well. So again, getting about 9% yield and have doubled doubled the value there. So when I say granny flat, I just need to be, you guys need to be mindful in Morden Bay, the rules and regulations are different to Logan. And again, this is really, really important. So in Logan, you can rent out your granny flat separately to the main household. It can be anyone. They don't need to know each other. They don't need to be friends. However, in Morden Bay, if you want to build a granny flat, you can. However, it needs to be the same household. So your main house and your granny flat, they need to be friends. They can be family. They need to be known to each other. They need to, you know, they, they need to essentially be living Needs to, it needs to essentially be one household. That's what the rules and regulations say. It doesn't have to be one family. So one household, they need to they need to know each other. You can't just have two separate families in there that don't know each other, that have never spoken together. So just be mindful there if you are thinking of doing a granny flat in the Morden Bay region. Those rules did change recently where you can't just put two separate families in there or two separate households in there. Pretty much from there, what we did was 
there was pretty much a one year one year break from when I bought and I brought the Deception Bay property to when I bought my next next two properties, which was a duplex. The reason we had that one year break was because we we're finalizing everything with the granny flats. So granny flats were now completed. We then went and bought a five bedroom dwelling in Wandana. Wandana is in Harvey Bay. That was in November 2021. So that's a three bedroom on one side and a two bedroom on on the other side. That one is, we bought for $540,000. The rent at the moment is $740 per week. So not sure off the top of my head what the yields are there, but very strong yields. In terms of capital growth, this property is very unique, so there's not much of it around. However, there is a neighboring suburb duplex on slightly larger block of land at the moment selling for $806,000. I don't think mine would be worth that much, but I think around $700,000 would be quite comfortable, especially given we're getting $740 per week rent. Cool. So that's pretty much the portfolio in a nutshell. This, that's two in Wandana, two in Deception Bay. So when I say 10, look, guys, I, I consider a rental income as a property. So obviously on two of my properties, there's two granny flats. So I consider that as four. Wandana is a duplex with two, two rental incomes coming in. I consider that as two. And then we've got the other ones in, in Grafton and, and, and Northern Beaches as well. So all my properties except for the one in Brookvale are positively geared. And they're all in markets which will have which have had and will continue to have significant capital growth. I think that's the only way where you can continue building your portfolio past one or two. You can't just look for capital growth or you can't just look for cash flow. It needs to be both. And both does exist. There are people out there that say it doesn't exist. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't take too much notice of, of of that. There are markets out there where you can get both. At the moment you can get both in Perth. At the moment you can get both in regional Queensland. Two years ago, you could get both in, in in Brisbane. So markets are always changing, but there are always opportunities out there. Look, the total value of that portfolio, as I mentioned, is sitting at about $4 million, give or take. And uh, we've just pulled out about just over $400,000 in equity, and we're staying under the 80% LVR. So that's the portfolio. Let's talk about, I guess, the strategy. So as I mentioned, we were always looking to reinvest. Reinvesting makes financial sense when properties are, are over that million dollar mark, I think. Uh, that's what I personally believe. If your properties are sitting at six, $700,000, just buy the property because your rent is very similar to, to, to the mortgage repayments. However, if your properties are sitting at million dollars or more, it does make sense financially to rent vest generally because the rental income, the rent that you'll be paying is not going to be anywhere near the mortgage repayments usually. So we're living in the Sydney's, Sydney's Northern Beaches. At the moment, you could buy a house for, you know, you can buy an entry-level home for 1.6, uh, probably on a main road, something that needs some work, something that is on a sloped land, no yard, something like that. You could probably buy for 1.6. However, eight or nine months ago, that same property would have been 2.2. So this is why I wanted to talk to you guys about our strategy. We were always looking to rent vest. We've had our, we had one child just over two years ago. We had our second child two weeks or three weeks ago now, and Something has essentially switched. We've had a bit of an aha moment over the, over this time since we moved from we moved from Narrabeen into a, a house in Beacon Hill again in Sydney's northern beaches. That was probably six months ago. When we were trying to move into that house, my wife probably spent four or five months looking. She probably put in you know ten fifteen applications on different rentals. We kept getting declined, probably because we have a dog as well. So that was a bit of a concern to us when it's just you and your partner or when it's just you on your own, if you get declined, like, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's a little bit stressful, but you know, it doesn't really matter. You can go live with a friend or it, it, it doesn't affect you that much. 
However, when you have family and you got kids, it can be very, very stressful. So we had a bad experience trying to move into the, our next rental, which for us was a little bit concerning. We thought, well, you know, that was that was a bit hard trying to find a rental. We ended up moving into an area that we weren't even overly happy with anyway, just to move in. So that put a bit of a sour taste in our mouth. And at that stage, we'd only had one child, but we'll, my wife was pregnant with the second child. And at the same time, prices on Sydney's northern beaches dropped 20%. Literally, they've still down 20%. And then rents over the last sort of 12 months have gone up, you know, maybe 30%. So while financially it made a lot more sense to rent fest one, two, three, four, five years ago, given the prices have dropped so much and the rental returns have increased so much, it now doesn't make sense as much financially to rent fest as it used to. It still does. Like to go and buy a $2 million house, your payments might be $10,000 a month. You could probably rent something like that out for $7,000 a month, for example. So it still makes sense financially. However, it's not as big of a difference as it used to be prior. Uh, so that was a bit of an aha moment for us. And then also forget about the financial side of things. you got the emotional side of things where you have a family, you want stability, you want security. It doesn't matter if you're saving a little bit of money at the end of the month. That financial stability is what's far more important. So that's a bit of an aha moment that we had. So now essentially what we are doing is we're not reinvesting anymore. We have pulled the equity out and we're looking to purchase our owner-occupied property and essentially go from go from there. Now, given our portfolio is positively geared, we are able to then go buy an owner-occupied property uh, because we're receiving cash from our property portfolio. So it is something to think about. So that's pretty much our portfolio in a nutshell, our strategy in a nutshell, I guess why we've pivoted the concerns that we had along the way, the light bulb moments we had when when purchasing investment properties as well. So hopefully I've been able to answer some of the questions that you guys might have. Feel free to reach out if you do have any other questions that I haven't been able to answer for you guys. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll speak to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Lazy Equity Podcast. The advice given on this podcast is of a general nature only, and you should make your own decisions before taking any financial risks. If you would like to stay in touch with the show, join the Lazy Equity Facebook group or find the Investors Agency on Instagram and Facebook.